score. Tennessee 24 to 17. And the Gators with the field goal made will tie the game. Snap, the kick is in the air, and the kick this time is no sir Ree. No sir Ree. Final score. Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Yo! Mike! Mike, 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 Mike. It's what game it week! It's game what week! What it do? What it do? It's is the 20, 2022nd year of our Lord. We are here with you. Thanks for listening wherever you are uh, on your drive to work, on your drive home from work, on uh, maybe you're walking in the park. Maybe you've got a new dog and you're taking him to the dog doctor. Thanks for tuning in to Pandemonium Reigns. It's an exciting time for us. We are out of talking season, Mike. We're ending talking season with this episode. And then it's and then it's go time. Maybe you're maybe you're listening soon and it's and it's it's the day before game day or maybe you're listening and it's game day. It's game day. Yes. yes. Game day. We got good stuff for you guys today. This 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 episode goes out to all of our homies in orange. We're talking Hendo Hook, Hendo Hooker, our man. Listen, I've been thinking about this real quick, Mike. If you had to describe your your love for Hendon Hooker with a song, what Ooh. What, what song would you choose? <sighs> Oh gosh, let me come back to you on that, man. That's okay. too deep. Too Ask deep. Me. Ask me. I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me your song that describes your love for Hendon Hooker. My Hero by the Foo Fighters. Perfect. Perfect. I'll be singing Perfect. it Thursday night <laughs> just for you. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're getting to get your driving hours to spend time with your family because your family is going to be clad in orange as you watch the Volunteers take on the Car- Cardinals. Birds? The Cardinals, yes. Cardinals. The Redbirds. The Bull State Birds. Anyway, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking Hen and Hooker. We're talking Ball State. Hey, but before we get things going, you're telling me uh, outside of the show here, you you got something you want to say about Kirk Herbstreet? Uh, I, I keep it classy. I like this guy. I got something I got to get off my chest. All right. Okay. You know what? I like the guy too. But he's getting he's getting a little grumpy as he I don't know approaches 45, 50. How old's the guy? 40, 45? Uh let's go 52. I don't know. He's getting a little get off my lawnish and it's getting on my last nerve. Um, I like him because he usually is kind of spot on on some things. And heck, he may be spot on on this, and my sunglasses may just be a little too orange here. But he had some comments. I'm not even gonna give you the exact words. I read them, made me mad, you know, got a little dizzy, you know, from the anger. <clears throat> it's okay. Anyway, he had some real criticism for NIL, and his example was Nico, the quarterback out of Warren, the quarterback that's getting $8 billion from Tennessee, yada, yada, yada. I believe he even went so far as to reference deals like C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young got last year. Mind you that Bryce Young hadn't played meaningful snaps at the time that he got his $1 million. Yes, there's a difference between eight and $1 million. Big difference. But – Bryce got over a million dollars according to his head coach. You know what I mean? Why is it okay for an unproven quarterback, whether he's on campus or not, to get an NIL deal, get a million dollars? You know, Kurt, what's the beef, man? There's plenty of other schools handing out big mm-hmm. NIL deals. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you take the shot at Texas A&M? It's easy to take the shot at Texas A&M. 
you had to take it at Tennessee. Oh yeah. I don't know why, but yeah, yeah, changed my opinion on him a little bit. <laughs> I can tell you why because it fits the media's narrative. They love to hate on us, and I'm just telling you. Listen, any high school recruit out there, if you are listening. Tennessee can play the NIL game. It can play this game. Uh, I would put our money up against Bama. I'll put it up against Georgia. I'll put I'll put it up against uh, a school in Texas. We have old money. We can do this. So you know what? It's legal now. Do I love it personally? No. Uh, but that doesn't matter. My opinion on that ultimately doesn't matter. It's a thing. The NCAA has gone from one side of the pendulum to the opposite and said, do whatever you want. So you know what? Nico's got eight mil on his way. You know what? And good for him. I don't love it either. I think there was probably a better way to do it. But we know for a fact, kids have been getting paid for years where I'm going to go down the NIL road because it's game week. Right. But yeah. disappointed yeah. In, in Kirk Herbstreet. You know what I mean? No doubt. No doubt. So with that said, let's move on in conversation. Let's talk our beloved quarterback, Mr. Hendon Hooker, we got some stats and season projections to throw at you guys. Uh, we're excited about this. Michael has done a lot of legwork behind the scenes. Uh, yes, he's angry, but my gosh, he's like the Energizer Bunny. You can't slow him down <laughs> doing all the legwork. Throw some, throw some Hendon Hooker uh, projections at me on the season. Remind us a little bit what he did last year, and then let, let's, let's talk maybe uh, – let's start out with yards, total yards. Let's do it. Last year, he threw for 29-45, which is almost double of any season that he had at Virginia Tech. Uh, just a hair under double his best season there. Um, as far as yards, I'm going to say that he probably throws for 35, 3,600. I'll, I'll go, I'll be bold. I'll say he throws for 3,650 in 2022. Um, I want to go higher. Like it's, it's really, I'm really, it's these game week jitters. You know, I just want to, I, I want to be like, yeah, he's going to throw 4,500 yards. No big deal, but I'm going to play it a little realistic. I think he's okay. going to throw for 3650. It's a number that I feel good about. He's going to get another game and a half of experience. Mm -hmm. um, I think the schedule sets up a little bit better this year. Mm -hmm. You know, I like it. Maybe okay. he doesn't go quite that far. Maybe it's a good thing if he doesn't go quite that far. Maybe the run game is, handling the the dirty work, but I'm going to say he can definitely throw for 3650 okay. if needed. Okay. I'm going to put him at uh, probably 3,100. I think he does just enough to get over 3,000 on the year. Um, again, your legwork tells us that he needs 3,452 uh, to move up to six all-time in career passing yards. Uh, Andy Kelly has currently got that uh, six spot with 63.97, which is saying something because Hooker's got one season under his belt, uh, but we also need to attribute that to the changing of the times. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. The changing of the times is going to be uh, huge for the Tennessee quarterback record book. If Hoffle's in town for a long time, this offense and this scheme works, I'd say those records are going to be shattered over the next – yeah. 10 years. Yes. Uh, the, the one way I will be happy if Hooker does not hit 3,000, let's say he hits like a 27, let's say he hits a 28, is if we have a 1,000-yard rusher. Absolutely. Especially yeah, in this backfield. Absolutely. With his legs taking up some of the, 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 work, the yards as well, putting up some of the production. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Let's talk touchdowns. What do you have last year? What do you think he's going to do in 2022? 
Last year, he threw for 31 touchdowns. Uh, it's a beautiful number. That fell five short of the single season record that actually tied him for third, I want to say, third best all time with 31. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a number that I, I – even better than I feel about the passing yards projection for this year, I do feel like it, it will be a lot easier for him to get into that 35 range. I would yeah. love to see him break this record. I know yeah. that Peyton holds the record, but, dude, please break this record. I will be so happy when I open up this record book again going forward and I see your name there. Absolutely. It's already there in a lot of categories, just one year. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I feel confident, though, about 35. And a little bit of that is, yes, yes, he's going to get additional action that he didn't get last year if he stays healthy. But some of the receivers that we've talked about and the run game and his, his legs are going to eat up those passing touchdowns. So I'm not going to go too far above what he did last year. Yeah, yeah, I don't hate that. I think, honestly, I'm happy with something around 30 to 35. Uh, honestly. Uh, again, large in part because I think that means that we're having some success uh, running the ball. However, let's say, let's say he throws anywhere between uh, 40 to 45, 30, 40 to 45 touchdowns. You are going to have a hard time keeping Hendon Hooker off of the Tennessee pedestal amongst Absolutely. this fan base. He will go down as one of the all-time favorites. I mean, he's already uh, dearly beloved uh, by the Orange. But if you have him do something like that, listen, don't get don't don't get us wrong, listeners. Mike and I love us some Josh Dobbs. We love us some Peyton. We love us some say what you want. We like us some Tyler Bray. But if Hendon Hooker comes out and throws forty-five scores, or even does enough to surpass Peyton and end up with more than eighty-nine career passing touchdowns, bro. He might go down as an all-time favorite. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. What Just the time that he came in when we were in such a bad place. And, you know, let's not forget that we were expecting Joe Milton to, you know, we were not expecting the last we saw of Joe Milton on a consistent basis to be that pit game. So, right. the way right. he came in, where we were at heading into last season, yeah, I'll have an undying love for Hendon unless something just goes horribly wrong. Unfailing love. I know that's not how that song goes, but I don't care. Uh, let's talk uh, interceptions. Let's talk at the negative side of playing quarterback. How many did he throw last year? What do you think he'll do this go-round? So we, as we know, uh, we've touted that that he just threw three last year in something like 10 and a half games. Or, or no, I'm sorry, more than that, like, like 12 and a half games that he played. Right. Uh, he threw three in that time, which is just truly remarkable. Yeah. Uh, something that I did learn about him is that he's been safe with the ball over his career. Yeah. Uh, the worst that he ever had is five in a season at Virginia Tech. Um, and I'm going to say, you know, that's probably where he'll be this year. If he doubles that three, you know, it, unless it's in a terrible moment of a game, it's probably not going to cost us that game. I mean, six is a completely fair and fine number for a quarterback to throw. It's a little high, but, yeah, you know, you know I'm going to say he's in the ballpark of five just because three felt like – I mean, it felt almost perfect. Yes, there yeah. were throws he could have made better, but to only throw a pick against Pitt – Alabama and Georgia I, I just it's hard for me to grasp still so I'm gonna say he's in the five range and and you know probably he's not even gonna hurt us in the grand scheme of things unless it's just in a really unclutch moment sure uh, I'll give him six or seven on the year and even if he even if he does six seven eight even up to ten uh, I'm still gonna love him and I'm hoping that is uh contrasted with 40 scores, 45 Absolutely. scores. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm still even happy with it with a 35. 
all that to say, three picks a year is incredibly hard to sustain. So, you know what? If, if it's somewhere between six and eight, Mark, our fan base, if you're listening, you're going to have to give the guy some grace. Three picks in one year is just unheard of. Okay, Truly so, remarkable. Truly remarkable. Are there any other uh, stat projections that we need to look at, or can we jump straight to the um, – career records or any other records that we need to look at on the season uh as we move on just uh for fun what do you think he's going to run for in 2022 oh yeah let's talk oh that's right a good 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 call so uh let's do that well i what did he run for last year he actually ran for 616 and five touchdowns that's a little higher than i expected and same here 616 you know what if it's around that 600 mark uh yard mark again I don't know that I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't love the idea of him running. I, I wanted to keep him healthy. So uh, I'm trying to see this with clarity here. Uh, orange goggles are clouding up my vision. I'm going to say 450 is what he does. Yeah. Um, and I like I'm totally biased here as well. And, and I know I'm speaking from what I want to see rather than what I think we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I could – I mean – to, that he ran for 600 is kind of really impressive because it just didn't feel like it. Um, oh, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think in that 400 range um, as well, it could be higher because of the limitations at running back and working new receivers in. Um, I don't think he'll be running for his life. I think that there's been time for these guys to gel. You know, that, at least that's my hope. Yeah. Um, so I really want to see that number drop and I will see it, sure. you know, go into passing yards and go into the running backs, but sure. I'm going to say he's in the 400 ballpark as well. Sure. I think there's really only two games on the schedule where Hendon running the ball should be a part of the game plan. And that's Georgia and Bama. Yeah. Maybe for some of your toss up games, like your Kentucky's, your South Carolina's, your Pitts, your Florida's with that said, still don't love it. I still feel like we can put up points without him doing it. Yeah. Which is which is <laughs> who thought we would be saying that in 2020, right? So uh, uh, Jarek Garantano says hello. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk. Uh, any other? So you ended up finding the eight, eight or ten? I don't remember eight uh, Tennessee offensive records that we broke in 2021. Is there anything that we need to highlight there? Anything else that could could potentially be done? in this 2020 campaign? You know, I'll say this. uh, We did talk about those a while back. Some of these would be pretty ironic to see those go down again, like the kick return record in the ball game. You just – you don't want to see that one be touched ever, for example, because we know that was a direct result of Pitt scoring – Purdue scoring points, excuse me. Yeah. So you definitely don't want to see that. Uh, Program bowl record, that one was insane at 663 yards by Tennessee in that game. Yeah. Um, and Hendon, on his own, put up 434 yards in that game. I mean, Goodness. ludicrous. But, so, like, just looking back at those, we scored 511 points last year. Doesn't it feel like we could score more consistently in some of those games? I mean, what if the offense comes along against Georgia with that defense and what they're losing? You know, I mean, what if what if a couple of these games just really get ugly against some of the – you know, the weaker opponents. And then yeah. the touchdowns, we scored 67 last year. It just feels like that's always going to be in jeopardy with yeah. this with this offense. I mean, yes. Yes. that's a lot. It, it yes. is a lot. But still, in the first year of the system, yeah. I don't think that record's going to stand for very long. 
Yeah, yeah. We were mentioning and talking off off the show about uh, Hooker's potential chance to uh, own the career pass attempts, right? Yeah, pass yeah. attempts and completions. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be up there for those records, absolutely. Just I just want to say one thing about the career pass attempts before we move on, and the the record holder for that is, is Peyton Manning. And again, we are so far removed from that type of offense. Uh, the fact that he, Peyton even still holds that is a little mind-boggling in itself because you had a gunslinger in Tyler Bray come along in 2010. However, we're, you're talking about a Tennessee team that ran three plays per minute in 2021. If you're not football educated, that's a lot of plays. <laughs> that's a, a lot. lot of – it is a lot of plays. I believe we net led the nation in that category, right? Absolutely. We were, so, we were right up there for that, absolutely. So anyway, that that's a that's a career I could honestly care less about. I'd love to see him. And listen, Tennessee fan all my life, I'd love to see him break that Peyton record, the Peyton touchdown record at 80, 89, 88, whatever it is. I would love to see him beat that. Go go down as the as the greatest quarterback in that in that category of all time. I'm here for it, my guy. Absolutely. All right, Absolutely. So, which leads us to uh, Ball State. But Tennessee released its depth chart uh, not long ago, a few days ago. Just quickly scanning that thing over, is there anything that caught your eye, anything we need to highlight, uh, any any point of interest? Nothing really uh, that was that was too crazy when that depth chart came out. And who knows, you know, how much of that is exactly how – It'll be handled when we line up for play number one, whether it's offense or defense. I will be highly intrigued out of personal interest, whether it's Christian Charles or Kamal Haddon out there with, with Warren Burrell. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited that he's stuck at that corner spot. Honestly, I really am. Um, you know, I, I just thank the world of him and I'm hoping for the best for him. Yeah. But I was, I was very excited to see him stick there just because of the opportunities that he'll have. Yeah. Um, some of the defensive Linemen did intrigue me. For example, Karat Garland and Bryce Neeson being there with the vaunted or between their names in one of the defensive tackle spots. Yeah. Would have loved, would have loved for this to be the time that Elijah Simmons really made his presence known. But, hey, his, his story's not over yet either, so maybe Absolutely. that'll come, come a little later. But, yeah, still pretty much chalk, uh, you know, along that depth chart. Not a, a lot of surprise there. I know a lot of people were asking where Brandon Turnage was, though. Bro, I didn't even realize that. Where is Brandon Turnage? Not even yeah. listed. Yeah, there's there's some real discussion going on there, whether it was an injury during camp. You know, a lot, a lot of these names dealt with injuries during camp. Jalen yeah. Wright, for example, still pulled out that number two spot, which I'm fine with because I want that experience there more ultimately. Absolutely. And I think the young guys will have plenty of chances this year, plenty of yes. chances to run the ball and prove that they can protect Hendon as well. But you know, I'm excited to see Jalen in that spot that he didn't lose that spot just from from missing time. So yeah, yes, yeah. I don't know what the deal is with Turnage, but I I think we'll see plenty of him because it sounds like they're going to rotate some bodies there in the defensive backfield. I think that cornerback spot is going to be up for grabs until somebody just takes it. Uh, the Tennessee fan inside of me says nobody just takes it at least quickly. So it's probably going to be corner by committee. However, my partiality says, hey, Christian. My guy, go get it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those of you who don't know, I had a, ch had a chance to know Christian Charles personally. And let me just tell you, let me throw this out there. He is a, uh, he's a great football player, but he's an even better person. Rooting for him. Uh, bro, go, go, go shatter records, my guy. 
Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to point out uh, on that depth chart the left tackle position. We didn't get a clear-cut answer there. It looks like it's going to be Gerald Mincy or Jeremiah Crawford, uh, which tells me they're probably going to be rotated by series or by quarter, maybe the same way that Jim Harbaugh is rotating his quarterbacks oh. by game. That's um, that's a new strategy. Ain't, I've never heard of that one, man. Goodness. He's just always something new with that guy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to yeah. point out for our listeners on the uh, offensive line depth chart, let's say you've got a – so right now you've got Cooper Mays listed as your starting center. But let me just tell you, if he goes down, it's probably not Parker Ball jumping in at that center spot. You're probably going to see uh, – who was it, Spragans that was jumping in at, at center? Or was it um, – They would move Carvin, Carvin over yeah, a Carvin. lot. He's, he's super just – clutch in those any of those middle three spots yeah um and i think probably what happens is whoever loses the left tackle oh my goodness the left tackle position mm -hmm. that's probably your sixth offensive lineman within reason you know yeah. if they can play that spot um i'm i'm torn on having ball state as our first opponent because i'd like for example if we played Pitt on thursday night i'd mm -hmm. love to know who the first left tackle is out there would they still rotate i, I would say that they probably don't and I certainly want to know who the best left tackle is and have that guy in 10 days, 12 days from now when it's time to go up to Pittsburgh. Yeah. But, you know, I would say that they're probably in a similar spot. Um, I've heard it put that uh, Mincy has got the most potential, but that um, our other guy, my mind is blanking. Give me the name. Jeremiah Crawford. Jeremiah Crawford. Good riddance, Michael. Uh, <laughs> I've heard that he knows this assignment. He's not going to drop the ball and, and, you know, have it, He's not going to let Hendon die back there, but Mincy's got the most raw potential and power to really push guys around. So I've heard it put that way. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm really curious to see what happens there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of exciting things to pay attention to come Thursday night when we kick off against Ball State. With that said, let's talk Ball State. The let's birds. The Ball State birds. Uh, we What we know about them is not much. Uh, they had a really good 2020 campaign. However, a lot of people put a large asterisk next to uh, every 2020 outcome. Uh, regressed pretty heavily, 21, falling to a 6-7 and seven and getting absolutely waxed by Georgia State in the Cam Camellia Bowl, or whatever that was, <laughs> on Christmas, 51-20. Uh, to 20. So, you know what? They probably have a bad taste in their mouth. Who knows? I don't know. A lot of time has gone by since then. Um, they have a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience. We do know that they've got a pretty seasoned offensive line. Anything else that we need to know about Ball State? I've heard that you know the quarterback, while he may have been in the program for a while, just not a lot of experience at all. Um, I've heard that they lost a lot of their tacklers. Uh, it's like something like seven of their eight top tacklers from a year ago. Yeah. And a team that fell back from the previous year, a year ago. Yeah. Tough spot for Ball State, man. And I'm not, I don't feel any, you know, compassion for them. I want to see it be ugly, but wouldn't yeah. want to be the head man in charge there. Yeah, absolutely. This is the pregame speeches. Play hard. Uh, try not to mess up. Right. We're getting paid. We're getting paid to be here. <laughs> So, Ball State, uh, the over-under. Let's talk about this for a second. The over-under 
is set at 68, which for our uneducated football fans, it doesn't matter. We still love you. We're here to educate you. 68 is kind of the threshold marker. And they're asking us, do we think the final score total between Tennessee and Ball State will be above 68 or below? Mike, you seem to think it's going to be below that. I do. And don't judge me, but if it, it comes back largely to that quarterback for Ball State, I mean, you know, it would be one thing if they could run the ball on us. And, heck, worst case they do, there's, you know, they're just going to have to find ways to score points. I mean, I don't see Tennessee scoring 68 in this game. You know what I'm saying? Now, Tennessee hangs a 50-burger, and they put up 17. It's going to get interesting. Yeah, you know, that's, there you go. That's why Vegas makes the money. But sure. I, I just see it going under because the closer we get, the more orange my sunglasses get. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Ball State ain't going to score on us type thing. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just – it's tough. I, I just – I have a feeling that it's under because whether the teams have been together for years or whether they're all new and like Hawaii having 50-something new players in their program, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's week one for all those folks that didn't get blessed with a week zero game. Yeah. I don't see it coming together with a quarterback like that. Um, you know, Tennessee may hit that over, but I don't, I don't see Ball State making much of a contribution, so that's why I just don't feel confident pushing that over if I'm betting this game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I uh, My first question is, what does Vegas know that we don't know? I don't know how you can look at this Ball State team and say, oh, they're going to put up points, especially with this quarterback issue. I just uh, – I don't, I don't like that. However, again, I go back to the question, what does Vegas know that we don't know? Are we about to drop a 60-burger? Are we going to – I mean, um, bro, ball's by 100, right? <laughs> yes. So they've got it. They got it set at sixty-eight, um, and then they've got the spread negative uh, thirty-five in our favor. Do we cover that spread? Do we cover thirty-five point difference? Let me just say this first. I love to dip dabble in some sports bets. I've had some sure. success here and there with the sports bets. Yeah. Not a lot of success betting Tennessee because you shouldn't bet your team, folks. Listen <laughs> to that. Take that from us, whether you're a Tennessee fan or not. Don't bet your team. But if I'm betting this Tennessee Ball State game, and gosh, I mean, there's there's like 48 hours that I got to survive to not do that. We'll see yeah. if I do or not. Yeah. I'm going to bet that, that Tennessee covers that 35 before I bet that 68 because – I trust Tennessee's offense, whereas I don't trust Ball State's offense. Yes. So there's a lot more likelihood, a lot greater likelihood that Tennessee pulls off, let's say, a, a 49-7 to win than the game being like, you know, 50-20 to and going over that way. Yeah. I just think that's the case because I don't trust that, that Ball State offense as far as I could throw it. Exactly. And when I hear stuff like they lost their leading tacklers, seven of eight or something like that, I don't have faith in them getting stops. Mm. You know, uh, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I think uh, there's another possibility that we perform extremely well, but we still don't quite cover the spread or hit the over. Hopefully it's because our starters are sitting in the second quarter. Absolutely. Right? And and Taven Jackson is getting snaps and and Squirrel White is not coming out and and anyway, you've got you've got true freshmen on the field who absolutely, yeah, you know, not necessarily struggling, but it's their first collegiate game in front of a hundred thousand plus. Absolutely. So, all right. So uh, let's talk. Uh, continue the Ball State conversation. What 
we, when the game is over, what are you going to look at the uh, after it's over and say, okay, these are our wins. What are you going to want to have seen after it's all said and done? Absolutely. There's a few things that, that I want to see as a Tennessee fan for, as far as wins. That rushing total, the, the total number of rushing yards – yeah. needs to be high. I mean, it needs to be sky high. I agree with that. Because we know we know that a common misconception of Hopple's offense is that he wants to pass the ball around the yard like he's Mike Leach. Sure. It's not the case. Right. He loves to run the ball. He does. And Jabari Small sounds like he's coming out with – like he's got something to prove. Yes. You know, that he could prove to stay healthy. And then it sounds like there's some new running backs in the, in the room that are going to make some splashes as well. So, I mean, that rushing number needs to be high for me. Yeah. Um, the, the yards per carry needs to be high, whether it's guys breaking tackles or the offensive line just punishing Ball State, the yards per carry needs to be high for me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, turnovers. We, I, I really don't need to see any Tennessee fumbles out there. That's one thing. Tendon throws a pick. I'd certainly prefer it not be this game mm. coming off the year he had last year. But win the turnover battle, at, you know, no more than one as far as turnovers. I know that things happen because it's football. Sure. Yep. But win the turnover battle, run for – shoot, run for 300-plus. I mean, run the ball at will because run they're the ball state. ball line. <laughs> exactly, because you're bringing back four or five offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defensively, I, I feel good. I feel like guys are going to be in position because a lot of these guys, man, have just been on campus for years. Yeah. I mean, even, even someone like Tamaria McDonald that's breaking through at the star position, mm-hmm. this is what, his third or fourth year on campus already. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we saw last year that Theo blew everybody's expectations out of the water in that position. So, I mean, I have a lot of trust, even in a guy like Warren Burrell against an offense like Ball State, build some confidence, carry that the rest of the way. So, be in position, you know, nothing over your heads, win the turnover battle, run for a million yards. No, I like it. I like it. You you brought some things that I had not thought about as far as the rushing numbers go. Uh, I want those to be high, but I don't want them to come from Hendon. Okay. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, I want Small to come out to be angry, uh, but I think a win for me, uh, just because I have an extremely conservative personality, let's come out of there healthy. Absolutely. I, I, I want Hendon's jersey clean, right? I want small jerseys. I want Small's jersey filthy because I want I want a lot of carries on him. I want a lot of carries on Jalen Wright. I want carries on Sampson and 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 Justin Williams as well. Absolutely. So that's what I want. I want our starters out early. If if we can look at this and say, hey, our starters came out late second, mid or maybe mid third. If it's the fourth, I'm not going to have felt as accomplished. I mean, yes. I feel like our starters are going to have to come out at some point in a game like this. A win is second quarter, late second, third. Let's let's yeah. come out the way we did against South Carolina last year and hang 21 quick. Quickly, yes. Defensively, I want a minimal amount of yards allowed. Absolutely. I don't, I don't want them running well. They have no reason to run well. Uh, we should we should we should load the box and dare them to pass. This dude doesn't have any attempts under his belt. So let's let's say, <laughs> okay, if you're gonna beat us, you're gonna have to rush, and we're gonna bring eight down here. So have fun with that. Also, with that said, it's game one. So typically, you see a significant jump between game one and game two in your ability to tackle and to wrap up. You saw this, if you watch that ugly Nebraska game, you saw this in Nebraska. They struggled to tackle. Goodness. So, so let's not let's not do that. Let's get off the field on third down. And I think a big win for us would be, you know what, Mike, 
The game is over. We saw we saw four corners play, and I I liked all four. Right? Absolutely, I yeah. liked all four of them. I liked Christian. I liked Kamal. I liked Warren. I, I liked them all. I like Turnage. I think that would be a win since Turnage is not even listed on the depth chart for him to uh, get some reps at that position. Absolutely. You know, even we're in, even we're only in a, a formation that calls for two corners on the field. So um, now let me, let's flip the script here a little bit. Other than a loss, other than a ball state, a loss to ball state, what is the worst thing that can happen once Thursday night is over? Worst thing that could happen for me, and you touched on it, and it's it's almost as obvious as an actual loss in the win loss column. Yeah. But come out of there dinged up, especially in the trenches. Yeah. Or a linebacker, and boy, I'm gonna feel really really bad about some of these projections that we've got. The win loss yeah. record. Yeah. The pit game and the Florida game. I'm gonna feel really bad. Yeah. If, if there's any any trench injury, so that's one of my biggest pushes for getting these starters out early, man. Get the yes. business over. Take care yes. of business. You got a lot to prove that last year was not a fluke. Put up some points, get out of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything over, man, goodness, I'm trying to think of a, a reasonable number, but anything over like 33 or 40%, thinking about, you know, a third or four out of 10 as far as third down conversion rates for Ball State, get you, like you said, get them off the field. Yeah. You know, even whether it's third and long or third, third and short, you know, mm-hmm. they don't need to be picking these up against you. You're, you're absolutely. You're a different level of athlete, yes. different caliber of a player. Don't give up the the big play. Uh, but, yeah, those are the main things for me. The first things came to mind was get them off the field, like you said. So, you know, depending on how many conversions they have on third or fourth down, yeah. that's where I would be. And then any injuries would be a major, major loss. Yeah, I think, I think there's some positions uh, regarding the question of, um, aside from an actual loss, what is the worst loss we can have? Uh, I, the, the biggest concern for me is Hendon Hooker not coming, coming out of this game hurt. Absolutely. I, I love him, uh, but I feel totally different when he takes off running uh, as opposed to when Dobbs did. I, I, didn't, I didn't tense up when Dobbs took off. I knew that he was, he was tough. Uh, he, could, he could take some hits. I don't know that I feel the same way about Hooker quite yet. He seems a little more fragile. So, anyway. Um, if there's a Cooper Mays injury or if there's, you know, a Jeremy Banks injury, don't get me wrong. That's not good. However, <laughs> we cannot, we cannot afford for it to be hindered. Everything Absolutely. we, uh, every goal we have set up in front of us for this year lives and dies by Hendon Hooker. Absolutely. Lives and dies. By His, team. His, yeah. team. His team. His team. His team. Uh, anything else that we need to mention about Ball State? Anybody that you're excited to see come out against Ball State? Any newcomers? Any Anything at all? I'm definitely excited to see. Here, here would be another win, just to throw it in there after the bell rang on wins. But, you know, have another receiver show me something. You know what I mean? Oh, there you go. I, I'd like to see Walker Merrill and Brew McCoy be an option on the outside opposite of Tillman yeah. or anybody. I don't care who it is, but yeah. give me some options outside because I feel confident and Tillman, I feel pretty good about Hyatt. So give me some options outside. Show me that you can perform in this offense, that you can get open and and make some plays. But, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see all these guys that didn't get much playing time last year. I'm really excited about this defense, you know, honestly, just to see these guys out there. So, absolutely, man, can't wait. Yes, we're so close. I think one thing that excites me is Holiday at that kick returner spot. 
I would love to see him, you know, at least get a, a 40 yarder, a 60 yarder. You know, if he houses one, that's even better. Yes, sir. I'm excited to see Juwan Mitchell back on the field. I'm excited Absolutely. for almost any freshman to take the field, uh, especially like a guy like West on the defensive line. Um, I want to see a lot of snaps come out up for uh, Elijah Simmons, uh, but he's not uh, a freshman, obviously. I would love to see – I want to see Brew McCoy get some touches. Yeah. You know, uh, not real sure what we're getting out of him. Coaches seem to be really excited. Uh, I would love to see Tillman walk away with a 100-yard game. Absolutely. You know, you know get, your, get your 22 campaign off to a great start. Uh, I want to see the same thing for Small. would love to see a handful of touches for Sampson and Williams Thomas as well. But you know what? I feel like the writing is on the wall for a team like Ball State coming into Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. Uh, you and I were talking beforehand, what does a team like Ball State have to do to uh, win this game? And it's the typical this, that, and the other, which are, Mike, how would you how would you word that? I mean. Yeah, I mean, you've got to figure out a way to, I'll tell you what you got to do. You better not snap that ball until there's like five, seven seconds on the play clock, play clock every given play because, you know, Tennessee's going to go fast. And if you can get them into some three and outs, you're, you could potentially cause some problems for them. But you better possess the ball for a long time to protect the defense and protect, you know, Tennessee from hanging a crooked number up on you. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you got to take advantage of that, that time possession. you got to figure out a way to get positive yards or limit the negative yards as much yeah. as possible. It feels like a simply an impossible task. We know it's not. All right. too well we know it's not. But right. it seems like an impossible task, honestly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, with all that said, we've thrown some lofty expectations onto our volunteers this year. However, it is one of those years where, you know what, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, 17, 18, 19, and 2020 feel like a long time ago. Thank they God they are a long time ago. Uh, we're excited for year two of Coach Heupel. Anyway, with that said, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Pandemonium Rames, me and Mike. Uh, talking volunteer football y'all it's game week uh, be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen wherever you find your podcast where maybe you're watching on youtube make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button or you're following us on uh, spotify or apple Podcasts. we're now on google Podcasts. we're on samsung Pod all these people who host podcasts we're on there now even stuff like iHeartRadio. welcoming pandemonium reigns we love you guys. We're going to leave you with the exact same way we found you, which uh, are the beautiful words from John Ward. The year is 1998. Tennessee has just walked off the field in their win against Florida. We love you guys. This is Pandemonium Rain. We'll catch you next time. See you, boys. So the score, Tennessee 24 to 17. And the Gators, with the field goal made, will tie the game. Snap. The kick is in the air, and the kick this time is no sir Ree. No sir Ree. Final score, Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns.